Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to go to the mailbag. I've got an email. Someone asked me a question, but that question stimulated all kinds of ideas for me topics, things I want to cover. So let's go ahead and read the email. We'll get right into it. It says, like most that follow you and make a steady diet of your words, I feel like I understand the majority highlights of your success. But you can speak to times when you had earlier small successes in real estate, but felt a bit stuck in the moment while working to make the next deal happen. I guess what I'm looking for is your mindset. How did you feed your mind in between deals before you were fully confident that you could work and make deals happen whenever and wherever you wanted? So there's really two ways I want to approach this. One, I want to approach from the point of view of what I do project-wise. How do I get into projects? How do I set up what projects I want to get into? How do I overcome the not knowing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I can't come up with a good word for it. But it's really the, the the fact that you sit there and you're looking at something you want to do, but you really don't know how to do it. You think you know how to do it, or you have a general idea how to do it. But in the back of your mind, you really know you don't know how to do it. So you run into a roadblock psychologically. It stops you. And first thing I want to talk about before I get into how I physically address that is how I psychologically learn, and I think how most people psychologically learn, most people I've ever met are the same way, and that is the the effect of layered learning. So I'm going to tell you a story. Back when I was uh, 20s, early 20s, I decided I wanted to be successful very early on in life. I mean, way back in my, my grade school days, I was already entrepreneur in many ways. But I was at this point where I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week in health club. And, I, you know, I was looking for some way to get away from all that, what to do to get ahead. I always knew I was going to own my own business someday. And I started reading a book by Napoleon Hill. It's about Dale Carnegie. And the book talks about, you know, everything you need to know to be successful. And the information was obtained by interviewing very, very successful business people. Now, as I started reading the book, the first chapter of the book states something along these lines. This is a paraphrase. In every chapter of this book, on every page of this book, and every paragraph of this book, and in every sentence of this book, are the secrets to success. You being where you're at in life, will not be able to see them even though they are there. You have to become ready for those secrets, for them to make sense, for them to show themselves to you, even though they're written right there on the written page in front of you. Until you are ready for the secrets, 
they will mean nothing to you. And so, you know, I read that and said, okay, whatever. Didn't really mean much to me at the time when I read it. Then I started reading the chapters about the things you should do. I read the entire book very quickly because it's an easy read and it is a very good read. I mean, almost everything in there, in fact, everything in there is right to the point of stuff you need to know. I highly recommend the book. So as I go through a book and read it, I highlight the stuff that's important to me. And that way I can go back and see it. But I think more than anything, when I highlight stuff, what it does is it makes me think about that particular idea and wrap my arms around it. In other words, hey, there's something that stuck out. There's all these pages of words. That point right there really stuck out. So I went through and I highlighted it with a typical yellow highlighter. Got through to the end of the book and really felt like I'd got a lot out of the book. It was really very beneficial. Lo and behold, six months to a year later, I was feeling like uh, this gentleman said, okay, don't seem to be growing as fast as I should be. You know, you kind of grow in spurts and then you kind of lose your momentum. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to pick that book up and read it again. And when I read it the second time, I highlighted it with a different color. I think it was green. And what I found so interesting was that when I read it the second time, all the stuff that had been highlighted in yellow, which I thought was just the cat's meow, the most important material in the book, when I got to it in the book this time, I found it very boring. I found that it was like, of course, everybody knows that kind of material. Self-evident. Now, it didn't strike me right then when I was reading the book and going through it what was really going on. It wasn't until the third time I read the book and I highlighted it in a different color, this time pink, that I realized even the green had become very boring and very self-evident. And now I was reading between the lines looking for something that I hadn't already absorbed. And then I realized it. I had become the book. The material I read the first time became me. It's how I thought. It's what I talked about to people. It was the way I lived my life. I had absorbed the success principles out of that book. And then when I went back and read it again, the ones that I had missed the first time because I was too busy with the big ones that I needed so badly at that point, I missed the medium-sized ones. And the, when I went back and read the second time and highlighted the green, I picked these up. And then after I picked those up, I came back the third time and I realized those had become self-evident because they also had become me and I had become them. And then I realized, wow, that's how the brain works. I'm missing. I wonder what else I'm missing in here. And so I went back to read it again, this time with minute scrutinization of every sentence I had not highlighted, thinking, what am I missing that is very, very important? Because what I found was is that the stuff that I had missed might even have been more important than the stuff that I had highlighted. I just wasn't ready for that level, that high level of information. Now, I found myself 
at a little salad shop. It was an all-you-can-eat salad place we used to go to every day because it's healthy. And I was sitting there reading a book, and two guys, three guys were sitting at a table, which I find, later found out who they were. I met them. And one of them was the quarterback for the Houston Oilers at the time. And one of them was the, the president of the dealership, the BMW dealership. And the other guy was the um, dealer's uh, president of the motorcycle, like, uh, you know, high-end motorcycle dealership. And they were just sitting there, and they were chatting. And one of them came over to me and said, the guy that ran the BMW dealership came over to me and said, hey, I see you're reading Thinking Rich. I said, yeah. He says, do you like it? I said, oh, yeah, I like it a lot. In fact, uh, he goes, well, how many times have you read it so far? I said, I see you have different color highlights. I said, I'm on my fourth time. He goes, yeah, you're getting pretty close to getting it then, aren't you? And I looked at him like kind of insulting, like, well, I'd like to think I am. But I said, well, how many times have you read? He goes, you know, I'm only at 11, but I'm still working at it. And here was a guy that was running the largest BMW dealership in the country. And he was reading the same book I was reading. Here was a quarterback for the Houston Oilers uh, reading the same book I was reading. All these guys had read this book multiple times. What was most important, not at the time, because what was most important at the time was what was in the book that I needed to see and hear. But what was most important in the long term of my life was learning how my brain learned information. Today we're talking about how do you plan for a new project in life? What do you do when you bump up against a wall and you say, okay, this isn't working. What am I going to do now? And not just give up. That, that's, you know, the typical thing there. You get to that point where you've been trying to do something and it doesn't work. It doesn't get you there. And, you know, I would reflect on the fact that, you know, you've been saving, working, saving, working, saving, working, saving, and you just look up one day and you're still nowhere. You don't have a lot of money. You're not any closer to retirement than you were before. Your, your bills and expenses have grown as fast as your savings account has and your income has. And the plan isn't working. So, you you know, what do you do? And I would refer you back to what I do every time I start a new project. And I happen to be starting a new project. I've been into model trains now for, let's see, I, I started it when I was 50, I think. I got into it. And I'm now 66. So it's 16 years I've been doing this. And I've had three or four different um, layouts. And... You know, part of the thing of the layout, it's fun of running the trains, but part of the fun of the layout is your brain going, I wonder how much nicer I can make this layout. I wonder how much more realistic I can make it. I wonder how much longer I can make it, how much neater I can make it. And so what happens is, is that somewhere along the line, you go, you know, I'm just going to tear it all off. I'm, and I just took it all down, right back down to the, to the plywood, down to the studs, the platform and said, hmm. I now I'm going to not only just take it down to the platform, which I'd done once before, I'm going to take the platform down, redo the platform, rearrange everything, and come up with a completely new plan. So there you are. You've been doing the same thing forever. Now you're just going to tear it all down and start over. So what is the first thing? The first thing you have to do is you have to go out there and look at a lot of other possibilities. And I watched video after video after video. I mean, I don't know, tens and tens of videos uh, of other people's layouts. 
And I'd run into one or two that were just extraordinary. And I go, boy, mine doesn't look anything like that. I just, it's just, you know, the quality of the layout I'm going to represent to you is the quality of life you don't have. And you see it. And you go, what would it be like to have that quality of life? And I'm saying, what would it be like to have that quality of a layout? I go, I want to know. I'm going to go ahead and build me that kind of a layout type of thing. So you start with this big picture, but then even when you do that, you start going, well, I like a lot of what that guy has, but I also like some of what this guy has over here. Now, will those two things fit together in any way, shape, and form? And if so, how would you do that? Then you have to go back and look at the space you have. How much space do I have to build this thing? I mean, if you had unlimited space, unlimited time, and unlimited money, you could do just about anything, right? But you have to look at your constraints. And the same thing is true when you're starting to say, okay, I'd like to be financially here, uh, but what are my constraints, right? You know, wh- what is my limitation here? And so you start looking at that in the, in the constraints and limitations start to form, help you form your plan, right? So you start with a big picture and then you start to form this plan and then you come up with a more detailed picture of what the plan is now for my railroad thing we have a software program called uh, i think it's uh, railroad tracks or something like that and it's a cad cam software it has everything in it and you can just build a complete railroad right there uh on your screen and so you can go in and design it and then save that design and go design another one and save that. And I must have made 50 different designs. I mean, one of them, I brought it all the way to completion. I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours just on the design. And then one day, I saw something that was a flaw in that design. Luckily, I saw it before I started building it and said, wow, there's the one thing. And I like when people come to my seminar, it's that aha moment when you go, boy, that's what I'm missing. That eliminates that constraint. That makes it all possible. I just didn't know it. I just didn't think about it. I didn't even put it in that, you know, same possible zone. And that happened to me on the layout. I mean, I thought about I had to just flip stuff around. Two things occurred. One. I thought I had limitations of the platform that I had already built, you know, 12 years ago when I moved into my new home. I built this giant platform for the layout. And I kept trying to re- rework my layout onto this platform because the platform was designed initially to use up, to give me as much possible space without wiping out more than four garage units. And I have a 20-car garage, but I only wanted to give up four garage, four cars of the 20-car garage. It was designed to do that the most effective way. What I thought was I had to stay to that plan because that plan did that for me. That was the basis of me taking up four whole garage spaces to build this layout. But when I started looking at it, one of the aha moments I had was that that doesn't mean I can't change a little bit within the context, the outlines of that table. In other words, I can rearrange that table a little bit. I can remodel that table a little bit. I can change it a little bit. And, And that really helped. The second thing was I realized I can go up and I can go down. I had only been looking at it planar. 
as a plane. This is what I can put on this flat plane. I had not looked at what could I do if I went up one, two, three, four layers, four stories. What could I do if I went down, went under the platform and put stuff below the platform? I saw all kinds of ideas that I'd never thought about. I go, boy, that really, when you go to space like that, changes everything. But you're not thinking about where you have money that's being just wasted. Like, for instance, debt equity in your house. You're thinking paying off your home is part of, like, I can't change the garage. But paying off your home is ridiculous. Your home is either there or it's not there. If it's there, whether you owe money on it or don't owe money on it, it's a ridiculous concept. In fact, paying it off is completely counterproductive. It's counterintuitive to believe that, though. Because most everybody I've ever met believe and have been told their entire life, pay your house off. No, don't. Think about it this way. If you have a four or $500,000 house and it's paid in full, you've got four or $500,000 of your money doing absolutely nothing for you. And if you take that money out of that house and have a mortgage, then the mortgage costs you 2 3 4 5%. Now it's going up now, but it was as low as 2 or 3% interest. But if you can take that four or $500,000 and take it out here and make 10, 20, 30, 50% return, it's very easy to pay the three or four or 5% mortgage payments. And you, and then have not only the house, but you now own another asset. You own an apartment complex or some other rent house. So these are the kinds of things we run into. We'll be right back. We'll cover more of this. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Not because that's the way it's set up, but because of the knowledge. When put into action, knowledge is power. At Lifestyles Unlimited, we empower you to live the lifestyle of your dreams through passive real estate income. For over 30 years, our successful members have shared their knowledge through case studies, classes, and mentoring. Tap into that knowledge. Attend a free workshop online. Register now at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about how you attack a plan, how you learn, study, and prepare yourself to move on to things that you've never done before. And as we left, we're talking about the fact that, okay, so we take the big picture, we get an idea of what we want to do, we start working on the details of that picture, uh, we, we figure out how we're going to arrange the resources that we have um, to put them all together, and then we start drawing down that plan into a more detailed type plan. Now, what I found is that I've made the mistake before of going into massive, massive detail. And I see people do this all the time. They, they say, I'm going to buy this apartment complex, and they put together this massive detailed plan on what they're going to do with the thing and everything, and they haven't even negotiated the deal yet. It's really a waste of time. You really have to get in there and start with a plan, okay? And so you start with a basic plan, 
and you see if that works, see if that's going to fit, if it's going to make sense. And then when you get that agreed to and you realize that, okay, that's going to work, now you revise the plan a little bit and start zooming in on the details of what you're going to do. At some point, you are at the position where you should start the plan, right? And that's a hard kickoff point where you stop planning and start taking action. And the first thing most people have to do, myself included when I started this new plan on this, on this railroad thing, is that you have to get rid of all the old stuff. So I had to throw out all the junk. It took me three trash days to throw out all the collected boxes I had. I accumulated these boxes because when I bought all these different things, I collect trains, I thought, well, maybe someday I'll need to put them back in the boxes and sell them off. I don't know. I just, you know, maybe I thought that was what was going to happen. Um, whatever it came down to, I had to get rid of the boxes. So, and it was hard. I didn't want to get rid of the boxes because I liked having those boxes there that belong to putting these things away and if I ever was going to sell them. And then one day I just said, you know what? I'm not going to sell all this stuff. You know, I may throw it away someday. My, my family may sell it, but they can get more boxes. Um, they don't have to be in the exact same boxes that it came in when it was shipped to me. Et cetera, et cetera, and I just got rid of it. But it was hard. It'd be like you getting rid of your 401K. You just don't want to do it. It doesn't do you any good. And you know, someday it may do you some good, and I'm thinking these boxes under these tables, someday I may use them. But as stupid as my boxes under the table and my need and desire to save those for someday, your 401K is just as stupid. It's not doing anything for you. What did it pay you today? What did it give you? So when I got rid of all those boxes and I looked underneath that table, then I said, man, there's a massive amount of space. And then I started looking at the space below the table and the space above the table. And now all of a sudden I expanded my spatial availability that I couldn't have done while all the garbage was under the table. And the same thing will happen to you. While you've got 401ks and IRAs and student, whatever those things are, you start for your your kid to go to college, all these different weird funds, they don't do you any good. Let me give you an example of what I used to teach in my seminar. I said, take, take your money, pull, pull your money out of your wallet and stick one or two or ten dollars in one front pocket, the other, put some in the other front pocket, put some in the other, one back pocket, one in the other back pocket, put one in your wife's purse. Now, because you spread all this money out, did it turn into more money? No. Now, name each one of those things. That's an IRA, that's a 401k, that's a savings account, that's the, the home uh, bills fund. Did that make it any more money? No. All it does is make it look like it's less money. And you're thinking, okay, if I spread it all out and split it all up and give it a name, then it will do the right thing someday. But it won't. It's not doing anything. I would then go ahead and say, look, take my hand. Let me point a finger at you and try to hurt you with my finger. There's no way with one finger, unless I poke dry ball out, I can hurt you. And I've got five fingers on a hand that... Not a one of them can do much, but if I put them all together in a fist, now I can inflict some pain. But they all got to be together, together in a very tight fist to really do the job. And that's the same thing with your money. Your money's got to come out of all these little nooks and crannies and stuff. You've got it stuck in all over the place. 
and calling it this and calling it that and thinking it's safe in that little nook or that little cranny. And it's no safer than that finger I'm pointing in your face right now and you grab and break it right off my hand. It doesn't work. You need all your money out and where you can get to it. And so the first part of fixing my train room, first part of fixing your financial plan is to get rid of all the old stuff, to clean out your system, to get it to where it's prepared to take on new activities. And boy, I'll tell you, I'm in that process right now. That's where I'm at. It is fun to clean garbage away and vacuum and and get it ready. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through all the trains. I've got hundreds and hundreds of trains in in these containers, these plastic containers. And I've got to move them out from underneath the table so I can redo and remodel the table, both underneath it, at the table level, and above it. I intend to take the covers off of each one of these plastic containers and take pictures of what's in there. I've forgotten 12 years of owning hundreds and hundreds of these containers filled with thousands of trains. I forgot what all I got. I really don't remember. I know it's pretty cool. And I go through eBay looking at stuff going, I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that. But the other day I was going through eBay and I go, boy, that's a really neat engine. And then I went over the other day and just looked at some of my engines. I go, my gosh, I've got that engine. I didn't even think I had that engine. And I now tend to believe I own just about every single O-gauge engine that's out there. One time or another in the last 12 years, I bought one and then put it up, put it up in the rack with all the other things, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things. In fact, I know I have more than 100 engines because my controller that controls the engines only holds 99 uh, engines, and I'm on two controllers. So I know I got more than that, more than 100. So the same thing is true with you. You've got to clean out all of your old ideas about money and clean out all of your old places you have money stashed. Just today, I was sitting there looking at my savings accounts. I have savings accounts that range uh, from as low when I first started at .0035 or something like that, like a third of 1% of interest. And now I've got them up to 3.5% interest in savings accounts, 3.5% interest. And so I'm looking at the ones. I only have one now that's under 2% interest, and I started taking money out of it. I have another one that's, I'm sorry, two of them. One was at 04 percent interest and the other one was at 1.5 percent interest and everything else is at over three and i'm thinking okay so i gotta i started today i'm gonna move money out of those you gotta get it out of those boxes that are useless for it to be worth anything for it to go over here and make more money and i mean it's big amounts of money big amounts of money when you look at to you it's small amounts of money to me it's big amounts of money but Big amounts of money aren't big until small amounts of money become medium and medium money becomes large, right? So you've got to clean out all of this stuff. Now, once you do that, you're now at a crossroads. And this is a scary spot, folks. This is really a scary spot for me. Now that I can actually see what I have, I might be ready to change my plan even before I started it. Say, but wait, you said get started on the plan. I know, but now that I've cleaned out everything, I might see options I never even saw before or find 
stuff that I've already bought for that layout that I had stashed away somewhere and forgot all about. And now I may want to change the plan. The problem with changing the plan is you may never get started, but I would suggest that at least the clean out was the start. But you may rearrange the plan right there at that point. Difficulty is if you don't start and keep going, you may quit. Very easy to do that. I've done that with my guitar playing a thousand times. I'll go, all right, I practice, I practice, I practice, something come up, and I'll stop. Okay, I'm going to put it aside till I get that, and then I'll get back to it. And then it just goes away for a while. And then I'm out of practice, and then i got to practice back enough to get back to the level where I could grow some more. So it's growth, loss, growth, loss, growth, loss, et cetera, et cetera, in my guitar playing. That's just the way it works. As we were talking about coming up with a plan, we, we talked about, first of all, getting out there and looking at all the different possibilities and being able to get the big picture. Well, you've heard before that, you know, one picture's worth a thousand words. I would suggest to you that one live experience is worth 10,000 words and a thousand pictures. Uh, each year at the Expo. We have once a year a gigantic expo where you can come and meet thousands and thousands of investors and go to workshops on how we do all this stuff and meet the vendors that help us do all this stuff and so on and so forth. And one of the, the most popular events is our master's bus tour where we go and take people out to eight different apartment complexes and let them meet the owners of the properties and the owners then tell you what they did to the property, how they changed it. And you physically can see it, smell it, you know, just touch it. It's uh, an unbelievable thing. In fact, every year we have to expand the size of it because more and more people want to go. Uh, same people come every year. Well, with me here today is uh, a family that is going to be one of the locations that we visit. And we wanted to introduce them and hear their story a little bit so that we can start introducing people so you start thinking about wanting to come. So with me here today is Amrit and TK Mundra from Dallas, Texas. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dallas. Glad to be well, on the show. Glad to have you with us. You have to speak up a little bit. Uh, you're a little low on that end. And let's start with uh, what size property are you going to be showing us? Uh, the property we're going to show is uh, 153 units. Uh, it's a class class B minus asset in Garland, Texas. It was a D minus, did you say? No, B minus. B minus, okay. One. B minus. And um, what all did you do to the property? And first of all, when did you buy it? How long ago? Uh, we bought this property in uh, November of 2020, so we are almost coming to two years now. Um, it was uh, a good location. We liked the property. Um, and since we took over in November 2020, we have uh, done significant uh, rehab, uh, wherein we have, uh, uh, we have added new signage. Uh, we just re-seal re re and restyle our parking lots. Uh, we did an interior upgrade programs, uh, rehab of office where TJ spent a lot of her time. Um, and there was a, a abandoned tennis court, which was uh, giving a feel of a jail. If you come 
when the first time we we visited with a high chained uh, abandoned tennis court so we converted that into a nice pergola area where families can come and do their barbecue over weekends so overall net and net we have increased the community value um and we get a direct feedback from residents about how 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 home they feel when when they are at the property do you believe that you're following the best product best price mantra that we live by absolutely that's our that's our go to success uh we don't cut corners every uh, anywhere um uh, even though given the rent what we were looking for we could have done without doing some of this upgrade but again we are trying to achieve a community value best product best value uh, and that helps us directly to retain our renewal rate is close to 80% even with the, with the higher rents uh, so that's a direct testimony of best product and best value now how much have you raised the rent since you've done all these improvements uh rent wise yeah we have significantly increased the rent we are 40% uh from the day we we took over in terms of income and close to 45 to 50% in terms of NOI increase uh we have a lot of combinations uh but we have average would have rate rent close to 200 to 250 dollars so far from 200 to 250 in rent increases Yes, yes. All right. At least 200. That's great. So you've done what you're supposed to do. You bought it. You made it better for people to live in. Uh, You've increased the rents. uh, You increased the net operating income, which should have increased the value. Uh, I know cap rates are a little, little they are fluctuating a little bit right now, so I can't hold you down. I'm not holding you down to any specific guaranteed price, but in general, in your mind with an NOI increase that you got, how much do you think you made the property go up in value so far, two years? Uh, from two years, we have raised, uh, I would say, with a capital of five. Um, that's the case study we did a couple of uh, weeks back uh, on the same property. So I'm looking at the slides from, uh, from sorry, uh, two months back. Uh, so, yeah, we have increased at least by $7 million, the total uh uh, and the uh, the valuation uh, at a capital of five, and right now we are sitting close to twenty three million in terms of evaluation. Wow, that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. Um, let's let's look backwards one here, just out of curiosity. I mean, how much? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. I was trying to think of two things, the same thing. I apologize. What did you put down on this property? In other words, how much total investment do you and or your partners, if you have them? have put into this deal that you made $7 million on? I'm just trying to come up with a rate of return type of number. Yeah, so we have put up um, uh, $5.9 million total cash out of pocket. Um, uh, and right now we are sitting equity of seven, more than seven. Um, and uh, if, if, yeah, net and net, we are right now one thirty percent return after giving the original back. All right, so you got down 130% return since you got your on your money. Uh, I was looking here at a smaller deal you did before this when you uh, popped out 159% return on that when you sold it. So, you know, yeah. th- these are pretty typical numbers for you uh, out there. All right, well, guys, I appreciate you being on the road trip. Appreciate you spending some time today with us. The rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. We'll see you tomorrow. 
The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.